Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. I am persuaded that the depth and the magnitude of God's blessings uh, cannot be measured in a tangible fashion. Uh, the Apostle Paul declares to us that the riches in Christ Jesus are unsearchable, but in our present estate, uh, our minds are constricted to tangible measures. And tangible measures, while falling far short of telling the whole story, give us some appreciation of the greatness of God's blessings. Uh, for example, God blesses us each day. Now, not only does he bless us each day, he blesses all of us each day, all day throughout the day. And all that God does and the sum of whom God is, is beyond our ability to comprehend. Thus, we walk by faith. But what we are able to see and what we are able to comprehend says to us that uh, it is God who keeps us by his care because he is the good God that he is. The psalmist declares in Psalm 127 verse one, except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman worketh but in vain. Uh, it is God who keeps us, it is God who blesses us, it is God uh, that is the reason that we are whatever it is that we are. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. Uh, on a personal note, let me say that I am grateful uh, that today marks the 34th anniversary of Sister Cook and I being married. Uh, amen. And I know uh, neither of us looks nearly old enough to have been married 34 years. Uh, but 34 years ago today uh, marks the day that we were uh, united in wedlock. I'm going to uh, agree with the declaration of wise King Solomon in Proverbs 1822. Now for you brothers who don't know that, uh, just to hear me refer to it, uh, that's one of the scriptures you wanna memorize before you leave here. Uh, to Proverbs 18.22, I say amen and amen. We want to direct your attention this morning again to John chapter six, the text that was read into our hearing. Uh, we want to read in particular there verse number 64. John 6, verse 64 in your Bibles. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Based on the words recorded by John here in John chapter 6, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, thank God for Judas. Now, as we uh, have been 
looking at these uh, different individuals over the month of August, and you'll recall that the sub-theme for August is people that Jesus knew. Uh, you remember we looked at Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Mary was remembered by Jesus. Uh, we looked at the apostle Simon Peter. Peter was shaped by Jesus. Uh, we looked at two walking along the road from Emmaus, and one of those individuals is named. Uh, Cleopas was comforted by Jesus. Uh, we looked at the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, the brother of James. John was loved by Jesus. And then when you hear the name Judas, I, I'm sure that uh, the first thing that comes to mind for all of us is that Judas betrayed Jesus. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in John chapter 6, I, I submit to you that the account of Judas is both ironic and tragic. It is ironic and tragic that Judas was close to Jesus in presence, but far from him in spirit. It is ironic and tragic that one who walked with Jesus is remembered in such a way that his name is synonymous with the term traitor. Uh, in fact, I, I would venture some of us would almost rather be called a traitor than to be called a Judas. Judas was a problem person. One of those people that if he's around, you're not surprised that there's trouble. In light of this fact, it may seem strange to say, thank God for Judas. When we say, thank God for Judas, we say it not because Judas played a part uh, uh, in the story of our redemption that none of us would choose, Rather, it is said because of the potential that a Judas has in one's spiritual development. To say thank God for Judas is to say thank God for problem people. Now, let me see if we can set this up right. Jesus chose Judas for the same reason that he chose the other 11. Now, I know this because in Mark 3 and verse 14 and 15 in your Bibles, it says, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Judas was as much an apostle as the other 11. But Jesus used Judas according to the person that Judas demonstrated himself to be. In John 17 and verse number 12, the Bible says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. When we read what Jesus said, everything Jesus did for the 11, he also did for Judas. 
The difference was the kind of person that Judas showed himself to be. Judas betrayed Jesus. And let me just say, God's foreknowledge and ability to read the hearts of men does not remove our ability to choose. In other words, what I'm saying is God doesn't make us do anything. God didn't make Judas betray Jesus. That was a choice that Judas made. Now, it, it, let me see if I can illustrate it this way. If I say the sun will rise tomorrow morning, the fact that I have foreknowledge of that event doesn't mean that I caused it. The sun rises in the morning. Well, multiply that illustration by God's greater knowledge. God just knows who we are. And when God says what we're going to do, he doesn't make us do that. He's just able to know because he knows all that that is who we are. But I submit to you that Judas's real problem was not so much what he did. And let me be clear, he was dead wrong to betray the Lord. But his real problem was what he refused to do after he had done what he did. For all that Judas has some blots on his record, by no means does he have the market on sin cornered. I think Romans 3.23 still says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, but, but look at the person of Judas. Jesus called Judas a devil. In this very chapter, John 6, in verses 70 and 71, Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the 12. Now, if memory serves me correctly, Jesus also called Peter Satan. Uh, you remember when uh, Peter had just made the confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus tells them uh, uh, that he's going to be betrayed and crucified. And you remember Peter says, far be, uh, far be it from thee, Lord, this thing shall never happen unto thee. And, and Jesus said to Satan, get thee behind, uh, said to Peter rather, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, not only did he call Peter Satan, but Peter also denied knowing Jesus three times. But you see, Peter repented and came back to the Lord. Judas is also identified as being a thief. Uh, again, here in John, in John chapter 12 and verse number six, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Now, lest we be filled with self-righteous indignation, be aware of the fact that if you've ever tried to get even with someone, or if you've ever done tit for tat, then you've stolen too, and at that from God. Uh, Romans 12, 19, uh, the Bible declares that vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, God hadn't authorized any of us to take uh, our revenge, to try to get even, to do tit for tat uh, uh, to anybody. 
So anytime that I do that, I'm stealing what God says is his because he did not tell me that I could have it. It may be accurately stated that based on his betraying Jesus, Judas was a backstabber. Now, dare I say that Judas was not the first or last backstabber in the history of humanity. But concerning Judas, we have this declaration from Jesus. In Matthew 26, verse 24, the son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Now, people can say a lot of things about you, but when Jesus says it had been better for you if you had not been born, then it had been better for you if you had not been born. But why would Jesus say that uh, uh, about Judas? I, I submit to you that it goes deeper than the fact that Judas betrayed him. You see, Judas resisted the grace and mercy of God. See, Judas could have been forgiven. Now, yes, he betrayed Jesus, but if you think about it, even those responsible for Jesus's death were afforded the opportunity to be forgiven. See, that's just who God is. God will forgive if we will repent and turn to him, but Judas refused to do so. But look at the people who actually uh, uh, gave their voice against Jesus. In Acts 2 and verse number 23, there Peter says, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now notice what Peter says there. Peter is saying in so many words, this whole thing was a setup. You all know that justice was not served when you had Jesus put to death. You all knew that before you said, give us Barabbas. But then in verse 36, just in case they missed it, Peter says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. But even those folk were offered the opportunity to be forgiven. You remember they asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered, repent and be baptized. See, they could be reconciled to God. Now, they're the ones that gave their voice against Jesus. If they could be forgiven, Judas could have been forgiven too if Judas would have repented and turned back to God. I submit to you that we ought to thank God for Judas, not because he facilitated the crucifying of Christ, uh, which did open the way to salvation. We ought to thank God for people like Judas because people like Judas can be like temptation. Now, when I say that, you remember James chapter one, verses two through four. James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Now, not thankful for the temptation itself, but thankful for what can result from the temptation. Notice he says in verse three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, 
a Judas can be like that temptation. Now, have you ever noticed in every group of God's people, there were always some characters in the bunch? Now, I know there are characters in the bunch because you and I are here, but, but there have been some character characters in the bunch. There was a ham on the ark. There was a Korah, Dathan, and Abiram among the children of Israel. There was an Achan at Jericho. There were Ananias and Sapphira among the early Christians, and there was Judas among the 12. Now, they weren't the only characters. They would just happen to be the ones that got caught. Uh, you know how, like, when you're riding down a uh, uh, highway, the car that the policeman pulls over usually isn't the only car that was speeding. That's just the one that got caught. You know, many times you or I were right behind that person speeding, and you're just glad that they were in front because that's who the policeman will give the ticket to. But all of these individuals brought hardship to the people of God in their respective times, but their presence among the people of God was always a blessing, if only by the lessons that the people of God learned. See, God can use anybody. Uh, 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 when you read your Bibles, you see that God used Pharaoh and God used Nebuchadnezzar. God can use a murmurer, a backbiter, a rebel, I mean, you fill in the blank, but how he uses us is based on who we demonstrate ourselves to be. So the message this morning is predicated on the fact that God can use adversity, trial, and trouble to bless his children. Now, the Apostle Paul declared in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 19, for there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Now, Paul wasn't advocating or condoning heretical behavior, but what he did say is that when there's a problem, it's necessary for the differences to surface so it will be known who is who. So Paul was telling the Corinthians, rather than let a, a, a problem person ruin your day. And, and let me just say, don't ever give anybody that kind of power. You know, you, you have to give them power to ruin your day. To, I mean, to where you sit at day, uh, uh, work all day frustrated, and then you go home still thinking about that person, and, and, and you talk to the people at home about how wrong that person was, and then you have trouble going to sleep at night because you still warm over how that person acts. Don't ever give somebody that kind of trouble, uh, or that kind of power rather, uh, uh, where they just on your mind like that. Uh, rather learn to approach it from, from this perspective. Thank God for Judas. Thank God for problem people because see problem people can help you mature in, in ways that good times can't. You know, good times are good times, but good times don't teach you how to have patience. See, you need a problem person to learn patience. You, you need a Judas to help you learn patience. Good times are good times, but good times don't necessarily help you mature uh, in the Lord. Uh, you need a problem person in your living to, to help you mature. Uh, you remember when you were little and, and you find that person that would just call you names and, and you'd go home and tell your parents about how they called you names and maybe your parents say something like sticks and stones, 
Or maybe they'd ask you, is that name on your birth certificate? See, but your parents taught you to be bigger than name calling, but you needed the name caller to help you be bigger. So when we say thank God for Judas, not for the problems that they cause, uh, not for the wrong that they may be doing, but thank God because Judas is gonna help me be a better person if I follow the will of God concerning this thing. When we talk about Judas, Judas can help you grow in obedience. You ever have some folk, you, you know how we talk, and boy, if I wasn't a Christian, you probably know somebody like that uh, uh, in your living. But appreciate, we ought to obey God all the time and, and not just when it's easy or convenient. Well, a Judas can present you with some unique opportunities for obedience. I, I get the impression from the gospel accounts that having Judas around tried your temper and your tongue. You know, that just having Judas around sometimes just, well, you'd, you'd have to bite your tongue and shake your head and say, Lord, give me strength. It was Judas who led the grumbling against Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, concerning the anointing of Jesus. You remember, Judas was the one who said, well, why are you wasting this stuff? Now, how is it a waste if you're anointing Jesus with it? You could have sold it for 300. Uh, now, mind you, he wasn't concerned about helping the poor. Like John said, he had the bag. See, whatever you sell it for, if I'm holding the bag, then if you sell that for something, that helps my pocket because I'm holding the bag and don't have trouble helping myself to what's in the bag. It was Judas who, as uh, uh, an old preacher used to say, had the unmitigated goal to ask, Master, is it I? You know, when I read some, I, I think that's the one that might have broke me. You know, here you are sitting at the table and your, your spirit is heavy and you're about to be crucified and, and, and you say, one of you shall betray me. And there Judas fronting, talking about, Master, is it me? You, mm, Lord, Lord, give me strength. I don't know who Jesus calls on, but you, you know, Lord Jesus, but he is Jesus. Surely... When Judas said, Master, is it me? You know, that had to challenge Colossians 3.8. You, you know Colossians 3.8, but, but, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. I, I suspect when G, uh, Judas asked, Master, is it I? It, it make you want to do all of those in that list. But remember... A person doesn't have to be pleasant to you to be a blessing for you. See, all blessings are not pleasant from start to finish. Some blessings are unpleasant in the experience, but profitable in the result. You remember uh, uh, Paul in Hebrews 12, verse number 11? He says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know, sometimes we just need some exercise thereby. 
You know, when I think about this whole COVID situation, I, I don't think there's anybody that takes pleasure in any part of it. Not in the fact that you could get sick, not in the fact that we have to wear a mask, not in the fact that we've been social distancing, uh, not in the fact that we've been safe at home. I don't know anybody that just delights in all of that. But James said, you don't have to find pleasure, uh, Paul rather, you don't have to find pleasure in the experience itself, but learn to be thankful for where the experience takes you. Some blessings are unpleasant in the experience, but profitable in the result. And guess who helps you have those kinds of experiences? It's a Judas. See, it's a Judas that's gonna try your patience. It's a Judas that's going to say something that works its way around through the grapevine and gets back to you. It's a Judas that has that contrary spirit. Judas can be a blessing in that he can help us to grow in obedience. But there is a second consideration this morning. Not only can Judas help you to grow in obedience, but Judas can help you to mature in faith. See, faith, in order to grow, must be tried by fire. In 1 Peter 1 and verse number 7 in your Bibles, Peter declares that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. See, faith sometimes needs to go into the fire. And I submit to you that there is a difference between knowing what the Bible says and living what the Bible teaches. Now you need a Judas to help you live what it teaches. I might know what it says. Uh, uh, you know, for example, what does the Bible say about our, uh, uh, we are to do to our enemies? And now, you know, even if we don't know it's Matthew 5, 44, most of us know that Jesus said, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Now, I submit to you, it's more challenging to live that verse than it is to memorize it. It's easier to know, Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies. It's easier to say that than it is to actually love your enemies. But see, faith is like gold and that both must go into the fire to be proved. You know, if you have some item of gold, jewelry, the item you brought is not gold as it comes out of the ground. See, the item you purchased was tried in the fire so that the dross could be removed. The gold you purchased was tried gold. And if you are going to be a strong, faithful servant of the Lord Jesus, you need a tried faith. And let me say, people outside the church can't try your faith like someone in the church. See, you expect the world to be the world. Don't we say that sometime? Well, that's their problem. They're not a member of the church. Well, what happens when they are a member of the church? You don't think what Judas did uh, hurt Jesus? Psalm 41 verse 9 says, yea, mine own familiar friend. Remember, you, you have friends and then you have friends. Jesus said this wasn't just somebody 
that I knew who it was. This was one of the guys that ran in my group, one of the 12. Mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, have lifted up his heel against me. See, it takes some faith to withstand a familiar friend doing you wrong. It, it, it'll help you grow in faith when, when, when a familiar friend does something. And, and you know how we get all shocked when somebody in the church does something? I, just, I, I, I thought, well, let me help you with your thinking. Every member of the church is a self-professed sinner. And you ought not be surprised when a self-professed sinner commits sin. Because they're telling you, I'm a sinner. Look, if I lose my temper, don't be talking about Brother Cook, the preacher. No, what I'm telling you is I'm a sinner. That's why I'm here. I need Jesus. That's why I come Sunday after Sunday. That's why I signed on Zoom Sunday after Sunday, even when the pandemic was raging. I need Jesus. Well, now, if I'm telling you I need Jesus, how are you going to act surprised when I act like I need Jesus? I told you before I did it, I need Jesus. And you need Jesus too. But guess what? When we act like we need Jesus, it helps us mature in faith if we have the right mind about it. And then third this morning, see, Judas can help you grow in obedience. Judas can help you mature in the faith. But Judas can also help you to blossom in love. See, the Bible doesn't just say love one another. It says that we ought to love one another with a pure heart fervently. We ought to love one another real hard. See, we ought to love one another to the point where when you act like a Judas, I don't treat you like the Judas you are. You remember when Judas said, Master, is it I? I suspect everybody but Jesus would have responded to that other than as Jesus did. You remember all Jesus said was that thou doest, do quickly. I can see if I had been there at the table, I'm like, Lord, that's all you got to say to him? You know he phony. See, just because I know a Judas don't mean that I have to act like a Judas. Jesus has declared that the trademark of his disciples is our love for one another. John 13, verse 35, Jesus says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, that's not if we talk about it. That's if we practice it. How will the world know that we Jesus' disciples? Well, because when a conversation about politics comes up, we may be on different sides of the political coin, but guess what? I, I, I don't start ragging you because your political ideology doesn't agree with mine. I, I don't start talking about you and make you less of a Christian because you didn't vote the way that I voted or you didn't vote the way that I think you should have voted or you don't support the candidate that I support. If we have love one to another, you still, my brother or sister, whether or not you in favor of wearing a mask. You still, my brother or sister, whether or not you got the vaccine. Now, that don't necessarily mean I might be hanging out with you, close company. <laughs> but you still, my brother or sister, whatever your ideology may be. The challenge is that 
we are called to love everyone and not just those that love us or that we want to love. In, in Matthew 5, 44, now you heard me reference that earlier, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Notice Jesus say, love your friends. See, because you'll just do that. You'll love your friends. Notice he said, love your enemies. Because if it's left to me, I might do a whole lot of things to my enemies, but loving them ain't going to be one of them. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And then in verse 45, Jesus gave the rationale that you may be the children of your father in heaven. Now notice what Jesus uh, didn't say there. He didn't say, just leave him alone. And if you don't say nothing to me, I won't say nothing to you and everything will be everything. He said, love your enemy, pray for him. Just cause we don't agree don't mean, and, and pray for him, not about them. You know, when you pray about somebody, Lord, could you take brother so-and-so to another congregation? No, don't pray about them, pray for them. Help me to be more understanding. Help me to be more compassionate. Now, I think he's the problem, but help me. Pray for them. See, no one will help you live that scripture better than a Judas. Jesus loved Judas. And I know this by the way Jesus treated Judas in spite of the person that Judas showed himself to be. See, Judas wasn't a choice gone wrong. You notice what the scripture said there, Jesus knew from the beginning. Judas, I already know who you are. I'm gonna give you a chance to do the right thing. Now you're not, but I'm gonna give you the chance. Now, how many of us would do that? Well, why am I giving him a chance if I know he ain't going to do the right thing? I just save all of us a bunch of trouble and just eliminate them now. See, because Jesus loved Judas. Judas might have a whole lot of things to say in his defense, but one thing Judas can never say is Jesus treated me different. Judas can't say, uh, you know, he, he, he treated me like I was a second-rate apostle. What Jesus did for one he did for all. But problem people can bless your living if we learn to look at it the right way. No, I ain't gonna sit home, blood pressure all up and uh, you know, so mad I can't even calm myself down enough to pray. Don't give anybody that kind of power. You know what, God, I'm thankful, not for the experience itself, but for the better person, this is going to help me be as I move through it. You know, I, I'm not thankful for the pandemic itself. I wish COVID would go somewhere and sit down. You know, that's what they used to tell us when I was a kid. You need to go sit down somewhere. But I'm grateful for what we've learned about each other about ourselves, grateful for the better people that this will help us to be because we had the pandemic. Grateful for blessings that I had that maybe I wasn't even consciously aware of. 
You know, some folk have been out of work, lost their homes, you know, having to depend on others for food. Well, Lord, I don't know why you've been merciful to me. That hadn't been my case. But you know what? It, it helped me be more appreciative of the blessings I had. Maybe it took COVID to get us to appreciate. You know what? God blesses you every day, all day long through the day. And you ought to be a good steward of the blessings you get and share them with somebody else. Maybe that's what we needed to learn. You know, we don't always learn just by you telling us uh, uh, something. Sometimes we got to go through things. Now, that's why Paul talked about chastening. You know, chastening ain't where you start. Chastening is what you do because you won't listen. If you raised in a proper house, your parents have the look. Now, you know what look I'm talking about, that look you get, which means if you keep proceeding like you're proceeding, I'm going to get physical. <laughs> My mother had that look when we were at the church building. You know, you'd be laughing, cutting up with some little friend, and she'd just give you that look. and let you know if you don't sit there and be quiet and stop embarrassing me, I'm going to get physical with you. And you got scripture for it too. <laughs> Proverbs, in fact, the, the, the wise man warned you in Proverbs, if you don't get physical with your kid, when you get older, you're gonna live to regret it. Every now and then you need to get fit. Now I ain't saying go home and beat them up. I'm just saying every kid sometime need to draw the correction. Now that wasn't even where I was supposed to be this morning with the sermon. <laughs> get a belt and go in the hallelujah room. Yeah, that's how you get physical with them. Are they gonna be calling on Jesus? And you will too. <laughs> but thank God for Judas, for problem people, and thank God that God offers us to be reconciled to him, uh, whatever our faults may be. God offers us reconciliation in the uh, person of Christ Jesus. He requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins. We sin just like Judas did. God is willing to forgive anything. We need to hear the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins. Romans 10, 17 declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. We must be willing to repent of sin. And this is where Judas went wrong. See, Judas did a lot of things, but he didn't repent. He felt bad for betraying Jesus. He tried to give the money back, but he wouldn't repent and return to the Lord. God requires uh, Acts 17, 30, verse 31, it commands that all men everywhere repent, but he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by Christ Jesus. We must be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and then be baptized in water for the remission of sins. We read there in Acts 2, even the people who put Jesus to death were given the opportunity to be forgiven. When they asked men and brethren, what shall we do in verse 38, Peter responded, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus, and dwells us with his spirit, and he adds us to the church. You know why he does all of that? Because we sinners. We needed help before Jesus, and we still need help after Jesus. He requires that we live obediently. Ephesians 4.1 declares that we ought to walk worthy of the vocation which, which we have been called. That means we learn to thank God for Judas, as opposed to murmuring and complaining about him. Perhaps you're listening on one of the social media outlets or you're here in our audience this morning. You wanna be baptized into Christ Jesus. If you're listening on our social media outlets, we bid you reach out to our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net. If you're here in our audience, then we bid you to come as we stand and sing the song of invitation. What can 